Is there a connection between the musical artist Coldplay, the concept multifinality, and what we know for best practices in instructional coaching? Well, we'll find out. Hey, it's Matt, and you're listening to the Math Boss Mashup. Hi, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of the Matt Faust Mashup. Today, we are talking the process of instructional coaching. First, let me say thank you. I'm deeply humbled that you've chosen to spend this time with me today. And we are going to talk about the process, multifinality, research, a little bit about cold play. And then we're going to catch up on Part 2 of an interview with one of Houston's foremost instructional coaches and curriculum directors. Let's jump right into it. Coldplay's release hit, Fix You, came out in 2005, just about the same time that instructional coaching was starting to take wings on the work of Jim Knight. However, they had some very inaccurate misgivings about instructional coaching. Though, I seriously doubt that was their purpose of the song. When you try your best but you don't succeed When you get what you want but not what you need When you feel so tired but you can't sleep Stuck in I don't know if those lyrics could apply to a teacher or an instructional coach, maybe both ways. However, the chorus ends with the phrase, fix you, which of course we know to be the exact opposite of purposeful instructional coaching. Any principal or instructional coach who has sat down for their first coaching session knows this is a strange and difficult process. Instructional coaching, it's a large unknown within education with very few years of developed practices. At the Association for Teacher Education Conference, May 2018, a research article was presented on instructional coaching. And I quote, coaching is a part of the new trend but it takes many forms and there is insufficient research relating to its efficacy. There are no nationally approved qualifications or standards for coaches working in educational contexts. Often, we're left wondering, what exactly am I supposed to do? And what's the best way to go about doing it? My questions are, how do we strengthen teacher relationships in the coaching process? What coaching conversation techniques allow the coach and the process to work? And how do we trust the coaching process itself? Here's a concept that I think may be helpful. Multi-finality. It's a basic concept, but it's quintessential in leading effective coaching conversations and cultural shifts. It's the concept that will open your conversations up and allow you to trust the coaching process 
without feeling like you need to guide or direct every step in the professional growth process. In the social sciences, this concept refers to the reality that people with similar stories can end up with different outcomes. In instructional or organizational management, multifinality is the idea that one plan or strategy can be successful in one system and totally fail in another. It's dependent on the system in which the strategy or plan operates. In schools, we know that borrowing an idea from another school doesn't guarantee success. In many cases, transplanting ideas from another school, from another classroom, can actually backfire and have negative results. It can create pendulums and it can erode trust in your leadership. While Coldplay can have a hit song called Fix It, fixing it won't be a hit practice in instructional coaching. That's transplanting. But this is where coaching can have a powerful impact. Transplanting says, this worked over there, so we're going to do it over here. Coaching says, this worked over there. What made it work? What principles are at play? And how can these principles be applied over here? One tells, the other asks. One erodes, the other builds. Coaching takes an effective strategy from one setting, guides the professionals through unpacking the strategy, and then empowers them to make choices on how to apply it. Oh, and follows up with reflection on that application. But these coaching conversations can be difficult. So how do we build the coaching relationship with teachers? How do we celebrate their strengths and help build upon those strengths? For this, we turn to part two of the conversation I had with instructional coach and curriculum director, Carrie Flanagan. Do you ever feel like your celebration is perceived as being disingenuine? I have felt that way for a few teachers where I haven't necessarily had really great relationships mm. with. Um, you know, coming into the role when you're still building those relationships, it can sometimes feel like that you're you're looking for something just to get that conversation going because you don't really know that teacher very well. You're not in that classroom very often. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, I think sometimes it does. But the more I get to know those teachers and the more I'm often I'm on those campuses or whatever the case is, um, it becomes less so. And it's it's not just me being comfortable with that teacher. It's them being comfortable with me. And I think the more comfortable they are with me, the more likely they are to give me actual celebrations instead of the well, Johnny brought their notebook today and that was really great. I'm like, well, that's not really a celebration about what's going right, but you got to take what they're going to give you. So let's back up. So you said some of your successful conversations started with uh, celebrating, Mm -hmm. but uh, I misinterpreted that uh, because you're saying you have them bring up the celebration. Absolutely. So tell me about that. And I wasn't thinking that way. Yeah, um, I usually start a conversation with just tell me what's going well with you right now. Or if I had observed a specific lesson, what works really well in that lesson for you? What, what felt good? And I want them to share with me instead of me telling them. Because it's about ownership of that lesson. 
and the more ownership they have, the more reflective they become about it. And if you start out thinking like, wow, this stuff worked awesome and it was so good, you're already in a positive mindset of thinking, if this worked well, when I get to the stuff that didn't work well, they're gonna keep going back to what did work. So that we can, it's easier to fix what didn't work when I'm already thinking about what already did. Okay, that's good. It's easy to second guess yourself when you're getting mm-hmm. feedback from someone else. Yes. And so your job is really just to reaffirm. Like even if I didn't feel it was necessarily like the most successful thing that they, they're telling me, you have to go with it because you have to build up that teacher. You can't fix an issue if they don't see the need for it and if they don't feel ready to do it. That's a good point. So successful conversations start with celebrating or getting them to celebrate. Yes. Now you're talking about addressing um, areas that need to be fixed and, and being ready to fix being ready to fix to it. Yes. Maybe um, maybe not fix, but uh, to change or build. to modify, to build. Yeah. Build. I try not to say like what what needs to be fixed. So I'll say, <laughs> so what challenged you? You know, what didn't oh, work yeah. out maybe the way that you thought it was going to work out. So I want the most reflective type of questions I can get. And I don't pre-plan a lot of questions because most of my questions are literally are what worked well? What didn't work out for you? You know, what really challenged you? Why do you think that is? And that sounds kind of fake, but it if you go in with very specifically planned questions, you're guiding the conversation. And teachers can feel that. Mm-hmm. And if you go in with the more general, more open-ended questions that leave options, you're letting them find the answers. That's good. There's a lot in that. <laughs> There's a lot in that. I, uh, I just read a book about instructional coaching. It was a great book, and it provided some protocols and some questions. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you're saying keep it simple. Yeah. Kind of just go straight to what was good, what was bad, you know, essentially. I, I rarely plan more than that because I don't want the teacher to feel like I'm, go- I'm already judging what their lesson is because they can feel those questions. They know, like, well, why don't, what was going on with the groups? Well, if they didn't bring up groups already, then why am I bringing them up? And they can automatically say, well, I didn't think about that. Like, what, what's wrong with the groups that I did? I don't want them to automatically jump to, she thinks I didn't do groups mm-hmm. grouping right. There's that defensive, it'll bring up defensive, right? Exactly. That's not a way to build trust, is it? No. And then it shuts down the conversation and we still haven't gotten anywhere. <laughs> it's not the idea, the plan or the strategy that matters. It's the system, the process of coaching, the culture, the people. That's what makes the impact. As always, thank you for listening. I have the episode notes posted at mafos.com slash mashup, M-A-F-O-S-T dot com slash mashup. The research article, transcript of the interview, and instructional coaching book that was referenced in the text. I hope you enjoyed it. I only ask you one thing. Please pass it along. Now let's go out there and make an impact.